uh, I'm sorry that you missed it out from the previous panels, but this is true and it's coming. Thanks God, we might not have transboundary taxation. So that's to be seen. The professor knows much better than me. Anyway, at the very moment, good news as well, and that is technology. You like it or not, if you want to solve our problems, technology can play a major role, not to mention, in my opinion, the major role. Simple things. I want to have an autonomous ship or an autonomous airplane. I don't know if you know it, but when you fly with the 380, the 340, the 330 and the Dreamliner, in many occasions the pilot or the captain are for decoration purposes. When you're crossing the channel in the United Kingdom and France, nowadays there are ferries without um, lifeboats. Nobody knows about that, but there is technology to take over the line. There is technology to make uh, the captain unnecessary. Now, I'm not here to preach all those things because I've done it last year. What I'm here to preach today with the panel is that we have solutions which they can resolve our problems, they can, they can increase our efficiency, they can increase our communication, they increase our viability and availability of data, which means we can become productive, efficient, and therefore we squeeze as much as possible energy out of a molecule of fuel and therefore we, we decarbonize ourselves much faster until we reach the point that we have to find the sustainable fuel because as long as we are burning fossil fuels, you're going to have the problem of greenhouse gases, we like it or not. Therefore, we need to go to renewable, sustainable um, processes. And those processes means new fuels, which we do not have. Now, having said that, panacea of all, I love the technology, but does it come without any problems? The answer is it comes with challenges. And the challenge starts, what technology shall I adopt? Some technology has been developed for me but I know be good for you. One size doesn't fit all. Secondly, what is my people gonna say? Am I gonna adopt that procedure now, or shall I stay put for another few years since I am retiring and keep it out, I don't need to be retired. Companies don't invest on training, therefore there are challenges about how to use the technology. And in conclusion, in my opinion, one of the major problems we are facing with technology is not to choose the right one, because there are many consultants in the room that they can tell you which and which not is good technology, and you are able and you are very well educated to choose your technology, but it is the resistance to uptake technology. And if we look into the world of decarbonization, one of the major things we need to do is uptake a specific technology for specific purposes to decarbonize ourselves. And it's because I know that much better than shipping, because this is not a problem of shipping, it's a problem of the whole work, and especially the shore based industry. But without any further ado, with these thoughts in mind, and I hope that my panelists there convince me now to remain in the shipping industry, I will start from the far end as yeah, I know you were panicking before, but you can do it. I know you have slides, so you might want yeah. to come up here. You want to use oh, okay. the... Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, I noticed we cleared the room, so probably I'll try and keep most of you awake. Uh, so I just want to give you a quick update on Italian. 
So Italian uh, is uh, about 15 years old. We, uh, we, we claim we've got the number one market share, which is an independent report by Comsys. We uh, basically have done 14 innovative patents in this industry. We're serving about 500 customers globally. And we deliver our annual turnovers about $130 million this year. So this is just a little bit about the company. I said we invest back on all the investments. We throw about 10% back into R&D because obviously to, to keep your uh, customers happy, you want to invest a lot with R&D to keep up with the latest trends and uh, in this industry, which is very fast changing. We operate 14 global offices, mainly in, uh, we have three in South Korea. I work out of the, uh, I work out of Southampton uh, in a place called the UK, which I think you heard about before Brexit. And then uh, and I, uh, we got an office in Rotterdam, which does the logistics. And then we have some places in the US, which uh, who knows what happens in the US. So as uh, we, we recently went uh, public on the uh, Korean stock exchange, which is called the COSDAQ, I believe. I'm sure I get some shares worth it. And then uh, said we shipped about a total of 80,000 maritime antennas including VSAT, FBB, TBRO. So again, investment, as I said, this is, uh, this is our innovation center, we call it, which is our main production facility in just south of Seoul. And what we're doing is we've expanded that at least two to three times since I joined the company, which was five years ago. And now we're doing another expansion uh, this year. So you'll see that, which is our own building, so to speak. So we're all going under one roof. To, uh, to look after our European customers, because my colleague there has got a huge facility in Denmark. So we, we just uh, invested in a $6 million company, which again, we're building ourselves at the, in Rotterdam, so just near the, the Hague Airport. So we, uh, we claim here that we're number one in Fleet Express. I think my colleague might argue with that. Uh, so again, Fleet Express is mainly the solution from Global uh, from Imarsat, who unfortunately are not here today. But uh, basically, what we're doing is this is mainly about the Fleet Express, the Global Express, as you see, which is the fastest growing network, geo network uh, on the planet at the moment. So we just recently we changed our antennas. We've got so we called the NX series, which is our new kind of uh, platform, which is expandable from 60 centimeter up to 1.5 meters. And today I'm showing you here the two the, the two formats for the one meter, which is the GX100, and the 60 centimeter, which is aptly named the GX60. Uh, so the GX100. Uh, this is again developed, all our terminals now are developed for dual KUKA, primarily on geostationary, but we also have the ability to work on NEO and geo satellites, which uh, we'll, you will hear more about as the, as the months progress, but that's the new kind of uh, consolations coming into our market. So again, we've done this very much with the, the, the idea of the customers, so a lot easier, faster, stronger solutions for you. Again, we've, again, this is the smaller system, which is, should be released in the next few months. Again, all single cable, lightweight, all ready for the next generation of satellites, and all using very simple technology. And finally, this is all, basically, in our industry, you have to read the manual, 
now we're going away from reading the manual to making something very much more easier to understand so you don't need a degree in, in Vulcan or some other kind of language that we use. So uh, that's it for me. That gives you an update of Italian. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for your introduction. Can I ask you to I'll carry it. I'll take my name with me. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, I'm Yanis Bastolas. I work for SafeBridge. Um, we are trying to tackle the issues of the process of paper certificates. So, um, electronic certificates in maritime industry, as SafeBridge, we issue digital certificates since 2012. We have an online platform training seafarers, uh, so we issued about 180,000 uh, electronic certificates. Uh, we took that technology now to to the next level, so we opened it up to training vendors, um, which is costly to issue and handling process of paper certificates or maintaining the paper certificates. Uh, for crew managers, which again, they have a lengthy and costly application for endorsement process or maintaining the, the, the database of CFR uh, certificates. For flag states, we noticed that 80% of the time spent is on manual data entry and verification of the authenticity of certificates. And also, issuing paper mailing costs of the certificates to the crew managers or ship owners. Um, and for the uh, crew management, again, back to them receiving certificates, scan them, insert the, uh, the certificates in their uh, system, and again, post it to the vessel. So within the maritime industry, there are many brilliant startups to uh, trying to um, solve and bring value to the industry through many very good products. Uh, what we discovered after some time issuing certificates is the actual burden is manual data entry uh, of the um, of the CFRS data. Uh, even if flag states have an open, uh, an online system, again, someone has to manually uh, input the data. Um, and the verification of the document's authenticity. Moreover, uh, there's still may, uh, many stakeholders that um, they require and demand these certificates to be printed, uh, especially again for the verification process. This defeats the whole purpose of having a digital certificate. Um, we cannot have paper certificates mindset and trying to make it digital process. So what we are working on is a completely new um, idea on the table to try to disrupt the whole manual process uh, of the certificates. So the main idea is for the seafarer to um, to register on a holder app like FinTech technology. I don't know if anyone has a, a Revolut application uh, of the new banks that you have to scan your ID, automatically the app does it for you. 
you take a face uh, uh, face picture again from your mobile device, and in half an hour, one hour, you're verified. So all your details are verified. Um, there is an application that is called um, automatic robot process. So all, most of the flag states are compliant with the FAL guideline, and they do have an open URL, so anyone can go again, the manual entry of the certificates data and get back the, the result. So we're working on that now to make it an automatic process through OCR technology. So uploading a certificate, recognize the unique tracking number and the details, and do the process automatically. Um, crew management can use this, uh, our platform MySert, for endorsement purposes. So we can connect both the ERP of the company and the flag state and do this uh, automatically. And for if it's connected with MyCert, then there will be minimal verification process for FlexDays as well. Uh, again, poor state control as part also for the European uh, single window. Will the app will be able to send a link to the next port of call with all the certificates uh, of seafarers ships and then they can review the documents even before ships arrive. Well, in doing this, we, we face resistance from the maritime stakeholders, that is training centers, crane companies, black states, port authorities. Uh, it's an evident obstacle in this uh, process, uh, in this journey we are doing for the last two years. Um, we believe the technology is already here. Uh, we have it, and our main main challenge is the willingness to change. We know change is difficult for every human being, but um, uh, giving a solution that will reduce administrative costs on a training center, the immediate answer we get, but we have to fire some people. No, you don't have to. You can use the people in other processes. Um, we believe that a collaboration between the private sector and government sector uh, and all the maritime stakeholders, um, which can achieve the goal and disrupt this uh, manual entry and verification uh, of uh, electronic certificates. Thank you very much. Okay. So contrary to my colleagues here, I do not have slides, but um, I will unashamedly use the Tocofeo's uh, logo, which has been a partner since uh, 40 years or so. Um, I'm uh, hailing from Denmark. I'm uh, representing Cobham Setcom, a company which you might have known as Tran and Tran in the old days. Um, Cobham Setcom has been shipping uh, Inmarsat terminals and Iridium terminals for the last 30-40 uh, years to the shipping community. Um, which is now an installed base of roughly 300,000 Inmarsat C, Inmarsat A, B, um, and fleet, fleet broadband terminals out there. So um, it's, it's the industry where we are uh, strongest. And what I want to talk about today is, of course, not only do we have, uh, not, not only are we the real number one, but also we have uh, uh, a lot of exciting new stuff coming on. And that's probably what I, this is why I didn't bring any slides, because I just want to tease the audience in a way that um, 
which I discussed with Andreas before is what would be exciting to talk about today and that is not necessarily just talking about the company, I could mention that that we've just gone through a four billion pound buyout, all of Cobham has just been acquired by Advent International, the same holding company that owns V-Ships. Uh, we are part of that now, so we're a private company now. Cobham PLC has been delisted from the London Stock Exchange, um, and we're now reinvesting in technology. And uh, why is that important? Because the next five years, and that's for this audience uh, also to consider, is uh, probably the most exciting time which we've ever seen in satellite communication. This is what our our metier is, this is what we do. We make satellite communication and radio communication systems. The next five years are going to be so exciting, not only from the incumbent providers like uh, Inmarsat is launching a, uh, a new mega constellation in the next two, three years, but there will also be new players uh, coming online uh, in the next uh, four or five years. So you, you will see a lot of change from what you've seen the last 20, 30, 40 years. You will, that's nothing from what you will see over the next five years. The satellite industry is undergoing a major change, almost disruptive, uh, fundamental change. And all what we want to say here today is we're ready for that. Um, that means that we are investing in the technology today, most of the antennas, which uh, can be reused even to an extent all of these technologies coming online in the next five years can be used with the current breed of parabolic antennas. So watch out for this space. Uh, there will be a lot of news coming from us, not only on the broadband side, so the, uh, what to expect from all these new mega constellations, mega satellite constellations, of course, is that the bandwidth would go from what you today have, maybe two or four megabit, will be tenfold maybe 20-fold in the three or four years' time. So that means for you, as the shipping community, whatever you have hold back or hesitated with of using the internet on the ship uh, can be done in the future because there will be an abundance of broadband in the next couple of years coming online from the incumbents, like Inmarsat, but also new companies that have not been part of the maritime community yet, but they will push into this space for sure. So you're looking forward to a very exciting time with, with the current price levels challenge, but also with the broadbands uh, multiplying uh, in, the, in the quite near future. So that will be a very, very exciting time where we we'll also be part of that. And so that's the broadband side of things, but also, as most of you know, um, some of the other uh, core technologies, like for example Inmarsat C on the safety side, that's getting quite old now. The satellites are 25 years old, so this will all be renewed over the next two years uh, with very clever smart technology uh, where you have one uh, message terminal on the bridge which covers all the L-band requirements on safety. So many clever solutions will be made available over the next couple of years to both support the broadband but also the, the safety side from the uh, from the different satellite operators. And we will be part of that. So it's a very exciting time to be in and probably the, the most changing times we've ever seen in, in our business uh, ever. Um, so that's uh, something to look forward to. Thank you very much. Good afternoon, everyone. As the last speaker, I'm just afraid that the collective appetite in this room is going to beat shipping affairs very soon, so I'll be quick. I'll keep it interesting. I've got some cool slides. So I'll start with uh, the hot topic, digitalization, and taking cue from the previous panelists. 
um, you would have deduced that it's important. Uh, there were many reasons given by them, and to add to that, another reason is that the daily highs are running so low that the difference between your voice ending up in a profit or a loss could be digitalization. If you've not signed up to this idea, uh, you are willing to risk your voyages going in loss even though you determine it to be in a profit before the voyage. Um, but when it comes to digitalization, there are a lot of uh, inhibitions, concerns. Uh, we went through a few in the morning. Uh, one of the biggest ones that I've heard is, is replacing humans. Uh, I think it's the, it's the Terminator effect the movie effect in our heads that it's going to replace it, but I don't think in, in the near future it can replace the human decision-making capabilities. So the idea is to augment AI, give the business intelligence to the operators, the people who are on the front line, commercial managers, technical superintendents, and vessel operators, give them the information so that they can take decisions effectively, easily, for more number of ships. with technology uh, slowly becoming rampant in shipping is, is the diversification or, or just the choices that a ship owner or a manager has today. Uh, there are so many applications, um, whether routing, noon reports, uh, analytics, MRV, bunker procurement, um, SSAS testing. You need to sign up with so many vendors to provide these services to you that the procurement team is losing it. The managers are spending a lot of time to take a call on it, uh, and I think that's going to be a problem. And this is the reason that we at Toto Theo Maritime decided to fuse all these services and uh, tools on one platform, uh, and that's the whole idea behind it, to, to overcome these challenges. Uh, we also train the users so that they don't have to go through a sharp learning curve to adapt to these systems, uh, but end of the day, the superintendent or the managers or the operators are the ones taking a call with their ships because that they are their assets. Um, to take a, to use this example, weather foresight. We've got all the algorithms to give you the most optimum route with the least weather resistance. But the, to take the operational call to execute that voyage still lies with the master or the operator to guide him. Similarly, energy efficiency. We've got the ISO 19030 as the standards but it's not regulatory. You're still, it's a proactive measure to run your ships efficiently. And there are beautiful dashboards like the one which I have from our company, but the end of the day, the decision to clean your hull or to clean your propeller um, in a proactive way for an efficient running of uh, your ships is in your hands. We can also give alarms, uh, triggering alerts on your mobile phone, laptops, uh, uh, on the on the platform itself where it tells you that okay 
Mr. Operator, your ship is not adhering to the TCP uh, warranted consumption uh, or it's deviating from its course. Something that needed a lot of time earlier, now it can be with technology, it can come on your phone and you can take the call. You can call the master or the chief engineer right away and take a call on it. But who is doing all this? Uh, at the end of every slide, I would like to uh, uh, specify that it's the human, the operator, who's taking the call finally. That will never go away, not anytime soon. Thank you. Thank you all for convincing me that the technology exists. I mean, we had it very clearly if you want to communicate with your ship and transfer data information, Jensen is so definitely they have the solution to that. Uh, if you want to get Mr. Porter control of your vessel, go to Yannis. He will keep you a certificate so you will not have to come on board the ship and most probably you will avoid and expand the inspection. And of course, if you want to become more efficient, go to Todotio. They have a lovely platform. Question now is, the discussion of the panel is about what are the challenges that we are going to face by using these new technologies. And the time is running out very fast. But starting from you, Gilles, what do you think are actually our users here most probably will face the same challenge by using your own technology? I think you have to press the button. Oh, sorry about that. See the box is taken over. Uh, so basically, we, we've already thought about this, and uh, this is quite a conservative industry in my mind. And it's taken us a long time with, uh, if you look at Global Express, the concept of Global Express was, was quite some years ago. So now it's become mature, and I think uh, those people using it are very, very satisfied with these, with their solution. But uh, So I'm kind of skeptical. I know there's a lot of new technologies coming, but uh, I find they need a long time in our industry to become fully settled and to be fully versant and easy to use. So we, we at Intellion have spent a lot of time making it easier for, your, for our customers. So the whole thing about keeping costs down, so we everything is pre-slung, we've lowered the size of the crate so we could go on more aircraft for faster deployment. We've uh, basically, the installation now should take about one hour from the, uh, from the key to the vessel with all the infrastructure made in. So you basically got a lot of cost savings on the, on the freight charges, you've got the installation charges a lot, the commissioning is all auto now so that you don't need to worry about different engineers with different backgrounds and different trainings. It's all automated so you can have the same solution and the same uh, setup for each system so it's unified. And again, that's what we've done. We're just making what we have today even more reliable and uh, for your customers. Thank you. Since we're on the same subject, James, what do you think, what is your challenge or our challenge using your own technology? Um, because I have a challenge using the master data at the moment simply because of lack of standards. But well, I think um, there's, um, there, there's enough bandwidth today if you want to. Um, we've been involved in projects where the um, the question, the challenge is probably, do ships want to be of the same infrastructure as, for example, your UPS driver? We're all used to that packages arrive at your doorsteps um, and it has been traced from the place where it was shipped to your own doorstep. You know, any, any time it's changed any position of the package, even from Amazon or whoever that is, you know where it is. 
the, sh what the shipping industry probably has to consider, do I want to inform my customer of where the 100,000 tons of iron ore is at at sea, or do we wait for two weeks until it arrives at the other end? So this kind of logistical... But it's not, I, I want to stop on that one. Yeah. Is that a question to the shipping industry, or is it a question the shipping industry has to answer to Amazon and Alibaba? Because if we go to the, the, if you go to the yeah. container line, Amazon would be the one that would demand the timestamps. Yes. And therefore, shipping doesn't have an to with it. Then they have to provide. Yes. So that's that's the question. If that will happen, and there have been rumors that Amazon is entering the shipping industry. They already they already own aircraft. Uh, they know the whole drill of that. Um, and that, of course, that means the the core of all that is data transfer. So anytime something happens, uh, there will be data moved. Uh, from the vessel. Also, is the reality of that the biggest challenge is most vessels are analog, um, that uh, you can't really monitor your engines, your tanks, your automation systems, even if you wanted to from remote, because uh, they are they are not uh, systems enough in place which would enable all of that. So those are the challenges. So there is bandwidth coming online. Back to my little speech there, which is which would enable all that. There will be a lot of bandwidth in the next coming years. The challenge is how to go in deeper into digitization and to make all of this work to provide all of our customers, the people who pay for the the shippers, uh, pay for all the cargo to be shipped, uh, to provide them with more information to make the crew happier and all of that. So that's for sure the biggest challenges um, where we can all work together on. Thank you. 30 seconds to Yannis and 30 seconds to my I'll tell you, I'll, I'll take it a bit differently. Our first customer for our maritime issuing digital certificates platform was from aviation. And it only took two meetings. We are struggling to convince the stakeholders in the maritime industry to start issuing for their own sake, basically, um, digital certificates. So we got uh, um, an airport handling company, which they have a training center, and they are audited from the um, airlines in just two meetings, and the platform was already up and running, and now they're using it. We're doing numerous uh, tr um, meetings or traveling all around the world to convince training centers, crewing companies, or flag states to uh, consider having a, 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 the platform, and so far we only have one, which is a private, more or less flag state. So this is what we are, we are, yeah. This is what we are facing: the the willingness to to change from people, maybe legislation, but it's very difficult. Now, Nick, very quickly, please. Yeah, I think Yannis Yannis is right. Uh, it's the inertia to change in the maritime sector, uh, which is the roadblock. Yeah, it's the inertia to change, uh, and that that's my point of view also. Uh, it's not regulatory to use softwares uh, to help you optimize your fleet and your documentation, for example. Uh, but when there is a push from IMO, uh, then there is always the struggle to catch up. And while it is not there, there's always yeah some blockage from the from the management. Yeah. With that last thought, I will close the panel and I give you an, a, a, just a very small point of caution. In, in a previous panel, you heard about sustainable financing and ESG. For those who don't know what ESG stands for, it's environment, social, and governance. 
and you are not going to get financing unless you get rid of so-called greenwashing. Although ETS is greenwashing, but I'm not going to stop on that one. So the challenge is, do you want the regulator to bring them to, to take these technologies, or are you going to do it proactively? With those thoughts, thank you very much.